And Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for that truth. How great is your love towards us, Father. Lord, your word says that your love endures forever. And Father, your word declares that you first loved us. And that no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Pray, Father, as we enter into what we know to be as the Holy Week, Father, that we would take this week and really reflect, Father, on your love towards us. God, that you so love the world that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that no man can enter into the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Father, we understand that we must be born again of the Spirit. That those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and are saved. That have that faith and that confession and that belief, Father, that you are the Son of God. And that you've risen from the dead. Lord, that they are born again. We are new creations. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. All because of your love for us. So, Father, have your way, Lord. Pray, God, that you would continue, Father, the work you've begun in us because your word says that you are faithful to do so. I thank you, Father, the promise in your word where... It declares that you would not neglect the work of your hands. And Father, we are the work of your hands. I thank you, Father, that we are not called to live this out in the flesh. But Father, that we are called to, Father, to walk habitually with the Spirit. To rely on the Spirit whom you've given us, Father. To be our comforter, to be our teacher, to be our guide. Father, this is a Spirit-filled walk. So, God, I pray, Lord, that we would recognize this precious gift in which we have received. Father, God in us, God through us, God for us. That, Father, all that you've called us to, Father, you equip us. And so may we just get out of the way, continue to humble us, Lord. That we may continue to keep our eyes focused and fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So thank you, God, for yet another Sunday to gather, Lord, to to worship you, to open up your word, Father, to be among fellowship, be among community, Lord. I pray, God, that our time today would be pleasing to you. I pray, God, that your word will go forth, Father, and fall on good soil of the heart and produce fruit. And so, God, have your way among us and in us and through us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 21 is where we're heading to begin our time together. So Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. Captures the event when Jesus enters in. To Jerusalem, the triumphant entry. 
The Word of God reads, Matthew 21, verse 1 through 11. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage, and on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there, with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of, for, for the son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Did you pick up on what the Bible gave us insight to? Look at verse 9. Jesus was in the center of the procession. The crowds were gathered that day. Jesus was entering in. Jesus was among them. Jesus was in the center. And yet, and yet, they had no idea who he was. They had no idea... They thought that he was there to overthrow the Roman government. They only saw a temporal desire for a temporal freedom. They had no clue that Jesus was there to deliver them from themselves. Think about that. Yes, we find ourselves just as these people that gathered on that Sunday. Many different times in our lives, we have the wrong motive, we have the wrong heart attitude, even in our worship to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is in the center, and yet our heart can be far from him. <clears throat> Jesus is in the center, and yet we're not recognizing truly what he's doing, because we are about our business instead of being about his business. They did not see him for who he was. The Messiah. The Messiah. The one that would ultimately deliver them to freedom. The ultimate freedom. Not a temporal freedom from a form of government. The ultimate freedom. 
freedom from death and decay. Think about that. And so as you reflect on Palm Sunday, and as you begin to go into this week, and I do pray that you would take the time to reflect. Again, it's nice to have a week. It's nice to have a day. But this actually should be what's being cultivated in our life. It should just be who you are as a believer. Daily, to to reflect on all that he has done and all in whom he is. That Jesus is the Savior of the Word world, that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, he is risen from the dead. Like This should be a daily meditation. It should be a daily application to your life. Because we are behind enemy lines. So I do pray that you would be encouraged this day. That Jesus is in the center. And as we gather together, Oh, I pray that we have a right heart attitude, a right mindset on who he is and how he has come to deliver us. Let's go to community. There's two definitions that I've been sharing with us. You say, why do you share them every Sunday? Well, I'm really hoping that they provoke thought. And as your as thoughts are being provoked, that then there be some type of application, some type of truth that would then penetrate our very essence of who we are, that we would begin to live in community. And I believe it was last Sunday that I mentioned that ultimately for the Christian community, Jesus is the center. Without him, there's no community. We're no different than any other community that's out there. There's so many communities out here in the world. But see, none of them really last in the end. (laughs) But the Christian community is the only community (laughs) that has hope to last for eternity, forever and ever and ever. Because Jesus is our reason for gathering. It's not for the preaching. It's not for the food. It's not for anything else. It is for Jesus, And that should be the heart of every believer as they're gathering, wherever they are gathering throughout the earth, for Jesus. And we understand that Jesus, by his divine wisdom, birthed the church. He loves the church. He loves his bride. He is returning for her. And so as we are growing as Christians... We ought to have a love for the church, for the bride. We ought to be excited to come together, no matter what we're facing. It's not about putting on a show for people. It's not about pretending that we have it all together. But we're coming for the same purpose, no matter where we're at. Some of us are on the mountains. Some of us are in the valley. Some of us are in between. But no matter where we're at, we should all have a desire to come together to worship together, to pray together, to open up the word together, to have fellowship together, to hold each other accountable, to to encourage each other, to edify each other, and to build each other up. Because we're all facing the same enemy. We're all facing the same flesh. We're all facing the same world system. So we're not at war with each other, 
No, we're there to encourage each other. Because you may not be going through what I'm going through now, but at some point you may. (laughs) And we can understand our weaknesses. We can understand what we're enduring. (laughs) But in in understanding, (laughs) we're not giving license for you to continue in it. And I surely wouldn't want you to give me license to continue in it. No, that's why we're the body of Christ. And the center of our community is Christ. And as we understand the word of Christ, the word of Christ instructs us to become more like Christ. Not to become Christ, but to become more like Him. We should begin as we're maturing and as we're growing as Christians to take on the characteristics of Christ, the one whom is the center of our community. So these two definitions, community, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, common interests, and goals. Let's go to some scriptures to encourage perseverance, to abide and to remain in Christ and in community. Proverbs 27 Verse 17. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Scriptures that we've read at the beginning of the year that will continue to kind of rotate them throughout the year. But we've seen this before. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Matthew 18, verse 20. Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. It's one of my favorite scriptures on community. Hear that again. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. Jesus is among us. Praise God. The hope that's there. Two or three are gathered as my followers. See, it all comes back to him. We're, we're gathering for him. I pray that you've come seeking him today. I pray that you've come with the right heart attitude. I pray that you've come to honor him and knowing that he is among us and that we're just not flippant about just coming. That we're just not, oh, it's just what we do. It's just a routine. Because then, actuality, it's nothing. He's not pleased with that. But if we come with the right heart attitude, each day that we come together, knowing that he's among us, that he desires to work within us his truth to go forth from this place or at the times that we are together to impact our community. That others will begin to to see Christ in us. That it will provoke people to to question or to ask you about your faith. And that you can then begin to, to share your faith, to defend the faith, 
that you begin to impact the lives of others as you are out there living. But as we come together, we're coming again together knowing that He is here, that He is among us, and that we should desire to to honor that. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, verse 11 through 12. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that would help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, listen to this, I want to encourage you in your faith, but also, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. This is Paul. He recognizes that he hasn't arrived. And that it's just not about him pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, but he as he is pouring out, he has that desire to be poured back into from those that he's in community with. And that's what I've always encouraged us. It's not just about one person, but that we are encouraging each other. It goes back to the verse that we started with in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. And we need each other. We need each other. Because that's how Christ designed it, not how man designed it. It always fascinates me when you hear and you talk to people about church. They got every reason not to show up for church. And yet they still want to claim Christ. But Christ designed the church to be together, to learn of Christ, to to do life together. To be together because he's the head and we're the body. And the body is not to be fractured. The body is not to be separated. The body is not to be divided. The body is not to be the arm here today and maybe the leg shows up next week or whatever. No, the body is to be together. When we have the opportunity to come together, we should be together and we should desire to be together. Because that's how he designed it. And so Paul desires to come uh, to share with this church in Rome. But his desire is just not to share with them, to encourage them, to strengthen them. No, he's he's hoping to be encouraged and strengthened by them as well. And that's how it should be. And Christian community. Instead, what we've done is we've designed it to be just about one person, one this, one that, one one segment of the church, one over here, over here. We've turned it into this institution that people just rely on others to do for them. We'll show up, you perform for us, you do for us, and we'll go right back out. And then throughout the week, just be there for us if we need something. I'll be honest with you. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I don't see that. I mean, as we're studying the book of Acts and we're seeing how the church came together, as you, as you hear of other testimonies, of other even bodies of, of Christ throughout the earth, even in our generation, 
how they're there for each other, how, how they desire to be together, to worship, to, 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 to live this out, to honor Christ and their comings and their goings, to have a hunger for His Word, to open up the Word, to, uh, to get the Word open and, and, and dissect it and pray through it and meditate upon it and, and, and allow it to be the mirror as it's supposed to be that we're looking intently into and then realizing when we turn from it that we're not forgetting our identity. No, but because we are applying the Word, we're just not hearers of the Word because of the application. It's transforming our lives. And that's what it's about. And so let's go to John 15, verse 12 through 13. John 15. John 15, verse 12 and 13. Jesus says, this is my command. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is Jesus' example, and it's something I've encouraged you, us, throughout the years. Something I try to encourage myself daily. That it's not about me, but it's about others. How can I serve Christ and others before I'm served? How can I care more for others than than I'm caring about me, myself, and I? And I, if we, could you, and I keep saying this, and I've said it through over the years. Could you imagine if we all came together with that attitude? What we would be able to accomplish, you all. Again, when we make church just about showing up and then going back out, and that's all it is, and it's nothing more. It's not a community. It's just a place we go, and we come out, and we come in, we go out, we come in, we go out. It's not really... A Christian community. But when we recognize the value that Jesus placed on it, he says, love each other. Listen to him. This is Jesus' words. It's his commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. We have to get over ourselves. Remember years ago we had a shirt made. Get over ourselves. To grow, to mature, to think of others. How can I serve? How can I encourage? How can I edify? How can I build up? How can I come along to someone? But we're so focused on our circumstances, our problems, our this, our that, this, and this, and this, and that. And I just don't have the energy to do for this person or to do for that person or or this or that. And we make all these accusations for ourselves or these, these mindsets that say, I just can't because of this. Then really, what do we have? But when we can put ourselves aside and say, I, I have a listening ear. I, I have a gentle touch to encourage. Maybe I have a word of knowledge or wisdom to share. 
Maybe in, in the love that I have for you is just enough to come and encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus and to repent from what active sin is being displayed in your life. This is the way in which we are called to live, you all. This is the way. The truth. <laughs> the life. It's Jesus. And again, he's in the center. He's the reason we're together. He's the one who has brought us together. And he's the one that's commanding us, love one another. Think of others before you think of yourself. Hebrews is the last scripture for this portion of our time together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. That the day of his return is drawing near. And how long ago that was written? It was for then as it is for today. His return is drawing nearer and nearer and nearer. And this is what we're encouraged to do. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope. What is our hope? Jesus. <laughs> That we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways. Think of that. How'd you do this morning as you were getting up, getting ready, knowing that you were coming to gather together? Jesus was going to be among us. How did you do with this this morning? What ways did you think of to, motiv to motivate others that would be here? What ways did you think of? What acts of love or, or good works did you think of this morning? And if we didn't, then we have to ask ourselves, why aren't we living this out? Why aren't we living this way? Because this is how the church ought to be living. And then again, it's not to beat yourself up and play that weird shame game and we turn it around and make it all about us. But the reality is, no, something is off. And we should get before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Like, God, I don't want to take for granted what you have given me. I don't want to take for granted the people that you've brought me to, to do life with, to have you as our center. So, God, how can I come today as we come together for you? How can I be motivated today with acts of love and service towards them. I mean, think about that. If that is your daily prayer, when you come together collectively with the people of God, to be used of God, to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. This is Christian community. 
And before I get into the Heidelberg Catechism, I wanted to share a little, and then actually Norma's going to come up and share. But as I've been reflecting and, and praying through this week for us, uh, the scripture that kept coming back to my heart and my mind is John 10.10, 10, where the scriptures declare that it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I've come to give you life and life in abundance. And so as I've been meditating and reading through different commentaries, different devotions on, 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 on this scripture and just the reality of it, you know, it's a weighty scripture. It's one that if you really understand it and you give thought to it, like how are you responding to it? I mean, we are told without a shadow of a doubt that it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you Life And so think about that for a moment. Think about, you can even think of yourself before you came to Christ. You can think of yourself in seasons of, of despair or seasons of bondage where, where you have allowed yourself to be yoked to, to something else other than Christ. Like what came from that? Nothing good comes from being apart from Christ. And so when Jesus tells us to abide in me, to remain in me, that apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. These are Jesus' words. And he's saying them because he understands our condition. So I want you to think about that for a second. To truly give thought to the life and the freedom and the hope that is found in Jesus. And yet the resistance that we have as the created against our creator. Like, no, he's not God. And we have all these accusations, as I've shared over the years, against him. He's the one. Or, or my favorite is when you hear people say, how can a loving God allow all this bad stuff to happen? And the reality is that he's not causing all of it. We are. We are. God, the loving God is displayed through Jesus Christ on the cross. All of this will end when Christ returns, because we, the Bible is very clear, there's always going to be those who reject them, who resist him. But those who have been born again and now have a new nature are not resisting him. They have conquered the nature through Christ that has controlled them. Think about that for a second. Your old nature, if you're in Christ, if you're not in Christ, the nature that you were born into is still ruling you. But your old nature, this sinful nature, I've said it over the years, craves and desires death, destruction, and theft. Everything that the enemy says, that Jesus describes the enemy as, 
to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And as you've heard me say over the years, as the Bible informs us that the flesh only knows to die. It feeds off decay. And that's what I say. In our rebellion, we are basically demanding our right to die. We're demanding our right for his wrath. We're demanding our rights to continue down this road of destruction. And for what? For what? When all along Jesus, God so loved us that he gave of himself, he laid his life down. The act of love that was displayed through the cross, no other is going to do that for you. He's made a way for you to live a new life. Not when you get to heaven, but here and now. To here and now. You have a choice each and every single day. Life or death. We should be choosing life. But we're behind enemy lines. As you've heard me say over and over. As the Bible is very clear. That we are in a spiritual war. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with rulers and with principalities in the air and the darkness. We're to be spiritual beings, not fleshly beings, but spiritual beings. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. That we can go and walk upright when everything else around us and everyone else around us is crooked and perverse. We can go through this generation that is at an all-time level of chaos, the level of fear, the level of, of sexual morality, the level of confusion and deception and anger and murder and strife. All of it is escalating and it's going to continue to increase on this earth. And yet we're here for a purpose. If you're in Christ, the darkness cannot extinguish the light. So each and every single day, if you're a Christian, you've got to be equipped. You've got to be dressed in the armor of God. You've got to be active and engaging in your relationship with Jesus. You need to know first who he is, then who you are in him and what's available to you. And whom you have in you, you've received the Holy Spirit, God himself, in you. And so we're not living lives grieving him. No, we're living lives that are honoring him. But that doesn't mean that we're shooting for perfection. Because that's a heavy weight to carry. He didn't put that on us. All he said was, remain in me, abide in me, walk in the Spirit, learn of me. Be transformed. Because that's how what I'm doing. I'm transforming you by changing your mind. Changing the way you think. This is no longer good. This is. This is destruction. Death. 
decay. Nothing good is going to come out from that choice. Mm-hmm. Nothing good is going to, to bring forth from this choice. In fact, it is going to tear everything down. But if you would just do it this way. And yet, and yet, and yet we wage war against doing that which is right. I've always said, because I see, I've seen it in myself, I've seen it in others. It's not that big of a war to make the decision to do wrong. Well, maybe a little may come, you might go, oh, no, and you, and you try, but sooner or later, you can get captivated by that desire. Jesus makes a way out, but if you're not willing to go, he's not going to force you. And so it's easier to go to the way of the flesh than it is of the spirit. It's easy. This walk in which Jesus has called us to, he knows. He knows that we are behind enemy lines. We are still in this world. We are still encased in this flesh. That's why Galatians can tell us that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And here's the fruit of the flesh and here's the fruit of the spirit. But yet, though he instructs us of all this, he doesn't tell us that it's okay to remain defeated because our identity is in Christ. Our identity is not in the old man. It's not in the old woman. It's in Christ. And so we have hope. And I've always said to you all, you all can, you should be able to preach yourself and encourage yourself because you've been equipped over the years with so much word and so much truth but it's the application that will sustain you as the Spirit is leading you. And so I just want to encourage us this day. I mean, when you think about all that is out there, when you think about all that you're taking in, there's so much out there that wants to define you. But there's only one that can actually author and pen your life because he's the one that gave you life. All this other stuff is just a lie from the author of lies, from the father of lies, your enemy, who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Like, how did you do this week engaging in warfare? For your heart, for your mind, for the hearts and minds of others, Rather be within your own house, rather be within your workplace, rather be within the community. And if that's a foreign thought to you, then I want to tell you something. Be alert because you're already allowing deception in. Because if you're not actively engaging daily, then something's off. Something's off. Something's amok, running amok. Because we ought to be engaging daily. We know that, again, we are behind enemy lines. We know that it's only through Christ that we have the victory. We we know that as we go forth daily, that the ground given to us, everywhere your feet will tread shall be given unto you. And you should be declaring the blessings of God instead of being in agreement with the curses of the enemy over other people's lives. 
but to begin to speak forth life instead of death. Now, I've told people over the past few weeks as I've been engaging in counseling and encouraging others and reminding them that you realize that it's not this, them, here, there, it's you. You're actually, you're the one actually destroying everything God has given you. You can't blame anyone else. You're actually cursing the blessings that God has given because of your disobedience. And so I just want to encourage us. You know where you're at today. And I would encourage you to, 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 to reflect and meditate upon the words that Jesus has spoken. He says, it is the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy but I've come to give you life. He is not the author of confusion and chaos. You know, the other, last night, we, my sisters and Yvette and I went to, to this worship event, and at the end, they were funneling thousands of people down this one little hallway. Everyone, it, it was just, it was chaos. And as I stepped into the middle of it, I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want to be a part of this. I'm going to step out of it. And I was thinking about all that I've been meditating upon all week. Because so many times we are in chaotic situations. And it's just that simple. And this is what the Lord showed me last night. It's just that simple. Step out. And so many times we remain in. And we get caught up in it because everyone's pushing. Or actually, not anyone's pushing. They were barely moving. But everyone was so close together. And it was just chaos. It just seemed unsettling. <laughs> but that's how it is in life. As circumstances come, like, you don't have to go along with it. You have a choice to step out. And say, I will not be a part of this. I will not put my stamp of approval on this. I love you enough to say no. I love you enough not to pretend just to go along with you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Or risk the fact that maybe uh, our friendship or our relationship, whatever it may be, may have to be severed. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Sometimes all it takes is just the choice and the decision to say, no, thank you. I don't want to be a part of this. And so many times we put more responsibilities and more on us that God has never called us to because we want to go along with the chaos. And God can never work in the midst of chaos because in the midst of chaos, our mind and our hearts are not focused on him. Oh, now, it may be in the midst of it, we'll say, Jesus, and, and, and we'll do this call out and we'll become very religious and try to, you know, manipulate him to fix all of it. When he says, I didn't cause all of that, and no one in the midst of it is listening to me now, including yourself. <clears throat> Sometimes the chaos just has to play out until ultimately there's a collapse. Or unfortunately, some type of destruction. See, things just have to play out and just go about until God can actually step in. 
And so you have to ask yourself as a believer, what are you caught up in <laughs> that you are not purposed or assigned to call up in? You just took upon it because that of the natural role that you felt you had to contribute to. <laughs> but actually, you contributing is causing more of the problem because you're not speaking truth. You're not, you're not allowing peace to rule and to reign in your heart. No, you're caught up in the chaos. But oh, remember, it is the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But it's Jesus that says, I've come to give you life and life and abundance. So Norman, would you come share before we continue in our time together? that I want to do this, I told my brother, and I think it was during the week that I would like to share today, and even though that on Friday or whatever Thursday I think it was, so Friday I was told, oh, I'm going to share, but anyway, I thank God that I'm here. Um, so, you know that uh, I share my testimony on February 8th, and since then it has been like a warfare, um, but lately uh, I, I'm working in a second job, and I just want to be really transparent with everything that had happened since I started this second job. Um, but first of all, I, I just appreciate so much, you know, like I, my brother always encouraged us to just not come here on Sunday and the rest of the week we forget about Jesus. So I'm really like uh, every morning when I go to work, I spend two hours in the person of the Lord before I start working and meditating. Sometimes he led me just to worship only and just be in his presence. Sometimes he just worship, reading the word, you know, whatever he want me to do during the, during that time. So I'm I'm committed every morning to meditate on it and, and his word and to apply whatever he's speaking to my heart. So I'm thankful that I'm disciplined to that. So that, and the Bible is clear when they say, you know, uh, our sword is the word of God, you know, and when we need it the most, the Holy Spirit is going to bring those scriptures to our heart to, to help us to endure whatever we face. And I'm so thankful as well that during this process, this since February until now, um, he has been faithful the whole entire time. And another thing is that in every single circumstances that I have been through this past <coughs> Um, he has been faithful at speaking truth directly from the Bible. Um, so even though that I haven't been able to talk to my brother before uh, during that period of time, well, I, I remember we were together in the car, and I said, okay, break, but this is before transpired with my new job, what has transpired. But anyway, before that, it was just a lot of... Uh, you have to remember when you, and my brother and you guys know this, when you uh, share your testimony... And you helping others that are struggling in the LGBT and specifically with the LGBT community, which I has been ministering to other people. Um, so of course the enemy is not happy. My flesh is not happy, and the world either. So um, uh, during that period of time, I I, have, I was having trouble to sleep. You know, a lot of dreams, a lot of desire to kill myself. It was just constantly like that desire. But that was in the period of time before I started my second job. So anyway, I started my second job, and I really, really loved this job. I never thought, all I'm doing is clean. 
So uh, it's just amazing how I love this job so much. And it's, I think it's because I see as a ministry, uh, uh, like praying for the people that I'm cleaning their desks and the offices and uh, establishing relationships with people in, a spe in one specific building. So anyway, all of that kind of stuff, right? But uh, um, and people from the workplace that I have been able to share my testimony with some of them and um, we wanted a specific that is struggling about God and doesn't believe in God and God had given me the opportunity to share with her a lot. Um, but of course, again, I mean, the enemy's not happy about it. And anyway, so even though that I, I wasn't able to talk to my brother before all of these two plays, uh, directly I was my struggle and what was happening at, at my second job. God was using him in an amazing way on Sundays because I'm not here on Wednesday night. So on Sundays, uh, it was just like God speaking straight to my heart. And uh, in specific, and I, w I remember sharing with him, I said, can you share this on Wednesday night? I know he did. Uh, on uh, March 27, he and, the, and I knew that was the Holy Spirit because that morning, that night, I had a dream. <clears throat> and in my dream, I saw a snake. And, and half of the second dream, it was me having sex with a female. So, which is a co-worker in my second job. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, I was so mad at that dream. Uh, but anyway, so he, at the, almost at the end of his uh, sharing with us, um, he said this, and, uh, and I quote, <laughs> on Sunday, and I was so amazing when he said everything, I was just like, oh, Jesus. He said, on Sunday, yes, Lord, worshiping God, but on Monday, nothing. By Tuesday, nothing. On Wednesday, down the trot, defeated, overwhelmed, despair, and lost. On Thursday, cold and useless. Friday, you will be in the arms of the deceiver. When he say that, I was just like, holy oh, Jesus. Saturday, you will you are wrestling with every thought if you are belong to God. And on Sunday, you are shame, is shame upon you. That's the day that I had the dream. When he said all of that, I was I immediately wrote it. Well, I, I listened to the message <coughs> again and, and I wrote everything down. Um, on so like I say, every every day I'm meditating. I sometimes I listen to Tony Evans' uh, sermons. Uh, Jack here from California. Uh, different people that I listen to in the week when I'm at work. Um, April third. Um, I was listening to the guy that, for the ministry Love Israel, the one that you listen a little bit. So I was listening to a specific part of uh, Korea, uh, Colossians. Um, anyway, so I wrote some notes, and uh, one thing that he mentioned is don't be a stumbling block to others. You will be judged for that. Above all, Jesus first, you have to choose. Um, what is he going to find in your life? Where are you... Uh, where are you going without his permission? That question, it was just like, and I'm going to explain why. Who has encouraged you? Uh, not everything that you said, not everything that he said before you is good for you. And, and every time that I was listening to different people's uh, uh, sermons and <coughs> here on Sunday, it was just God reminding me my identity in Christ. Um, the reason for that is because the person that I that, that is we usually work on two days during the week together, uh, cleaning. Uh, so she at one point she she was in the lifestyle, um, but she's pretty much I would say like a bisexual, most likely. Um, so um, so at one point, you know, I share a lot about my testimony with her, and um, at one point, so she sent me a text message asking me. Uh, 
if I was attracted to, to her. And I immediately called her. I was so mad when she, uh, she asked me that question. And uh, I, call, I called her, she didn't answer. She called me back and I said, first of all, no, second of all, you are not the type of woman that I ever would ever look when I was in, in the lifestyle. Um, which I think was the wrong answer in some kind of, but at the same time after that I said, and, and I, I mentioned about Jesus as well, but I know I should have started first Jesus and everything else, right? But I was so mad about the question. So anyway, but still, <coughs> my biggest mistake, and again, I don't want to blame on her because I, I take responsibility for my mistake and, 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 the, and the time that we spent together working, it was entertaining my flesh. Even though that she, I would never ever in my whole life look in someone like her, but because she was asking me about my past and I was sharing with her, like I, you know, you can share your testimony, you can share things about your life, but when the Spirit of God is speaking at the same time when you are sharing things with people, like, and He gave me in a specific, which is in the, in the book of Ephesians 5, when He says that, uh, uh, well, first of all, he said, uh, uh, have no, no fellowship, and this is Ephesians 5, 11, 12, 13, he said, uh, have no fellowship with darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which you have done in darkness, you know? And when I'm, I remember one day she, she asked me, can you share a little bit more about you? And, and uh, I immediately, I, I was ready to start talking, and I, that scripture came into my my spirit, but I still did it, and it was like, you know, you, you can share your testimony, but uh, gr grounding in Christ, glorifying God, but in my in my case, I, what I did, it was, it was like a joke, mm. you know, joking about what I did to some people and things like that, and even though that I was hearing clearly God saying, don't talk even about the shameful thing that you did in the past, I ignored that voice, but at one point when we arrived to the first, the next location, I felt the, the spirit of God, like, you know, what are you doing? And I, I, and when we finished the property that we did, I remember coming back to the truck and saying, are you okay? And I say, no, I'm not. You know, because I was so mad at myself because what I just did, you know, being disobedient. Um, so um, I, I remember one day uh, we, I forget some uh, tools, you know, cleaning products and everything that I left on one property. The next day, I, that night, I said, can we go and get it? But it was late. And she said, no, I will get it tomorrow. I said, are you sure? Yes. I said, so the, the, ne the next day, uh, I text her around 10 something. I said, you get the, the stuff? And she said, I'm on my way there now. So anyway, so when she sent me a picture that she re recovered everything, this is the thing that I, I realized that sometimes we speak, we say things without even thinking. You know, and one thing that I did after I saw the picture, I was so happy that she re were able to recover everything. And, and I said to her, I owned you a lunch. I didn't have to say that. I don't want you anything. Thank you for going get it for me. You are the supervisor. We all been, made a mistake. But anyway, I, I just said it with no even thinking. So, of course, so she said, oh, yeah, sure. Well, she mentioned three different places, two different kind of food that she likes. I said, okay, we can go to a Mexican place. So, okay, we went to, we scheduled... She said, what day? Okay, well, let's go and meet. So we met, and I, I let you guys know. Um, because I was I want I to be transparent. I, I'm not hiding anything, you know. So, But we went. We had lunch or dinner. Not lunch. Late lunch. Um, and that was it. We talked about work. We talked about God. Uh, Share a little more about, about my testimony with her. And she went home, and I went home. Nothing, nothing crazy, right? So, but the thing is, 
it's not that it's not in question. I never have any contact, physically contact with her or anything like that. But it's what the the door that that, that like I, he always say to us in the Bible is clear. Once you open, you give the enemy a foothold, you're gonna develop a stronghold in your mind, and that's exactly what was happening inside of me. Like even though that she, I would never look at my old life and someone like her, but because she has so many things that it was cultivating my 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 flesh. You know, and and, and and it was a wrestling match inside of me, like, you know, you don't even like her. Why are you, you struggling with this, you know? Um, so she's not even your type. But, um, so anyway, so that was happening. And um, this past week, again, like I said, every morning uh, I was meditating and, and everything. And on Tuesday... And one of the, the my, my meditation, God said, God love all people, but not all people love God. Who is having influence in your life? People who demonstrate the fear of God? Or are you drifting, ignoring the word of God? And that was hard, man. I, I, so, are you walking in the workmanship of the Messiah? Are you truly the body of Christ? What are you thinking determine who you are? And I was like, so I did a meditation, which I believe I sent it to you. I don't think if I sent, I sent the sermon of Charles Stanley to the group, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to listen to, but I would encourage you, because honestly, that helped me a lot. In that. I, I listened to that on the next day, <coughs> six, and I wrote all the notes that he was giving. But I, this one, this question, I answered all of them. And it was like that, penetrating like a sore into my heart, like, what are you doing? Mm. You know, back it up. Or you're gonna, gonna burn. <laughs> so uh, your life is an expression of what you think. And one of the four things that he mentioned is we saw a thought and we reap an action. Mm -hmm. We saw an action and we reap a habit. We saw a habit and we reap a character. We saw a character and we reap a destiny. Mm -hmm. On same thought. Produce visible consequence mm. in your life. Mm. Oh, Even though that no one can see what's happening mm -hmm. in my mind, but I know that I know that I know that I know. Even though that I haven't talked to my brother at all about what was happening, I knew that he knew that something was going on in my life. That I'm right? Mm -hmm. I knew it. Because it, it, when the way that he was preaching, the way that he was say, saying things, that it was, of course, the Holy Spirit leading him to, to, to speak those words, it was just like amazing. And one thing that she mentioned to me, because I say, listen, I, I, I don't hide anything from my brother because he knows me. And I can't hide it because the Bible is clear. You have to expose whatever is not from God and, and have accountability. Uh, to encourage where the fire shows up, but at the same time to have someone that you can trust, that you can talk about it. And I remember one day driving home and Glory calls me. It was past 9 o'clock. And she said, are you Okay. I said, why you ask me? And I said, I, I just, I want to know. And she was the first person that I was able to talk to. Because again, I was coming here late from work and he's already in bed. And in the morning, I'm leaving right because I, instead of getting up at 5 o'clock, I was getting up at 5.30 because I have another sleep. So, 6 o'clock, I'm out of the door. So, anyway, so I, I couldn't talk to him. So, Glory was the first person that I was transpired with her. I said, Listen, this is what's going on. Can you please hold me accountable? Can you please pray for me? I don't want to fall. And she was like faithful. Like in time when I was with her, 
because again, it was only two nights that I was used to work with her. With her. Um, out of nowhere, Glory sent me a test message. And I was driving, of course, I had to click uh, to accept it, but I ignore her. I click ignore because I don't want her to listen to what she was asking me. But anyway, when I, I write to the site, I click, I check the message. It was asking me, you know, are you doing, are you doing, are you strong? Are you, you know, it was so awesome to see how she was led by the Holy Spirit. So this question, ask yourself this question about what are you thinking, number one. And I answer all of them. Where are these thoughts leading me? And I say destruction. With, because my struggle with, with this person, it was just, okay, I didn't like her, but in my, my, what I hated <clears throat> most, it was my dreams. <clears throat> I can control my dream. I'm, I'm sleeping, you know? So, But I was so mad in the morning, like, why I have to dream this? Why I have to dream that I'm with her? Why I have to dream that, that I'm rousing, whatever, whatever it was the case. Anyway, so, so where this thought lead me, and I say to destruction. Will this thought get me where I want to go? No. <laughs> Are these thoughts spiritually acceptable? No. Will this thought build me up or turn me down? Or turn me down. Could I share this thought with someone else? And I say yes. Where did this thought originate? I say sin. Do I feel guilty thinking this thought? Yes. <laughs> Do this thought fit who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ? No. <laughs> So it was just like, okay, God, you're speaking to my heart. I know all of this that is happening right now that is transpiring. And it is funny because Delisha, the lady that I've been helping with her daughter that is in the process, that want to be a transgender, um, she sent me a test message and she said, are you okay? And I, and I knew it was God speaking. Like, are you okay? Like, you understand what you're doing, you know. And so anyway, um, on the next day, as I'm meditating, which was Thursday, so I sent a text message to my girl and my brother separately, letting them know that I was going to be with this person this Saturday, yesterday, for dinner, because she wanted to talk to me about something else. So I said to her, yes, and... But I said, you know what, I want to be transpired. I completely forgot that both of them had the commitment, which is funny, right? Because I couldn't go without even telling them that I was going to go out with her, but God is so awesome. So I sent a text message to my guild that I was going to go, hey, I want to be transpired. I want to have, I'm going to go with this person out. And I sent a text message to him. He replied back and say, I don't think that's, uh, you don't, uh, what would you say? Uh, I, don't I don't think, think that's, that's wisdom. Wise. I'm wise. Um, but I, I will pray for you, I'll pray for you, something like that. And I replied right away, I'm listening, because I felt it was God speaking right straight to my heart. And I say, I'm listening, I will cancel it. And I sent her a test, and I said, you know, call me when you can, and she did. And I told her that I wasn't going to go out, and I explained why. And I was real, real with her, because she, you know, so I, I told her, I said, I can't go out with you because of this. And, um, uh, so she wasn't too happy about it. Well, it was my night to work by myself. I'm in this building working by myself. When I'm finished the first, the second floor, I'm ready to open this. I look through the door and she's right there standing. And I'm like, okay. I opened the door and said, what are you doing here? So I'm coming here to do a site inspection. Oh, okay. You can go and check. Everything's clean. Nice. And she said, no, I'm here because I need to talk to you. We need to talk about this. I'm thinking about what? 
He said, well, we need to talk. I said, well, I'm working. I'm in the club right now. I cannot talk. He said, well, when you get off, can we see each other? I said, okay, that's fine. So we see each other on, on Thursday night. We saw each other, and we talked. I was really more honest with her about it, about the situation, what this can cost me. It was a stumbling block in my life and in my journey with God, and that I can't, I don't want to go back. And I told her, listen, if I go back to my old life, you don't want to see the normal that you think that I am right now. I'm a monster in my old life. I can I can be a, a horrible person. You have no idea. Uh, and I told her, I know that if I go back to my old life, I, it will be seven times worse than what I used to be. So I don't want that. And I, I'm free. I'm, I'm free. And so she, it was hard for her to understand when she said, how can you say you're free when you're struggling? You don't understand. I say, you know, the enemy, the flesh, and, my, and the, everything around me is screaming that it's okay to be this way. But it's not. And to, you know, so I share a lot with her. So she, we, we ended up in peace. Everything was fine. I was okay. No problem. We were friends, whatever. So, so Friday morning, my time of medication, med- med- medication, meditation, um, Galatians 2.20, where you clearly say they have been crucified with Christ. Uh, I no longer live, but Christ will live within me. And the life that I live now, I live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and for the love of God that he, that he gave himself for me, right? And But I love the scripture. But the one that penetrated my heart, it was when I was, I left here and I'm driving. And I heard so clearly, wrong from sexual immorality. Flee from Flee it. Flee from it. And um, which that's First Corinthians uh, six eighteen, and, and I said at that at that point I said okay God I had to run from this I definitely had to do something about it. So what I did on Thursday when I when I saw her I said listen instead of okay, I'm not gonna go out with you on Saturday why you don't come to church on Sunday? And we can talk after I you know usually we have fellowship I mean we 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 have prayers, service, and then around 1 o'clock, and after that we have dinner, lunch, and we can talk after the lunch at the house. I said, okay, that sounds great. So Friday morning, she said good morning, whatever, and she asked me to send me the address, and I sent her the address. So um, <coughs> long story short, it just ended all in the wrong way. So... Um, she started saying things that I was like, okay, this doesn't sound good. This is this is going the wrong way. And I got so mad at one of the tests that she sent me, like pretty much why I had to, that if I came, if I came clean to my brother, think to myself, I can't hide anything from that man. He knows. He knows me. So I'm like, anyway, I got so mad. And I immediately grabbed my computer and I wrote my, my resignation letter. And... Um, and I asked my boss, he wasn't at the office, said, can I, can I leave early? He said, yeah, that's fine. And I went straight to the office and dropped off the letter. I know I wasn't nice. Uh, not that I was nasty with her, but I just threw the letter on her desk and came out and, and said back to her, don't you dare come to my home on Sunday. Um, and, and left. Um, and my boss, of course, I sent her the letter and she, you know, pretty much say that she wanted to talk to me about it, but whatever. So my point here is that transparency, first and foremost, we got, I have been crying out to God. <clears throat> Yesterday, after my brother left, Gilda left for the wedding, and my brother left, um, I, I have in my past struggled with suicidal thought, and like I told my Gilda this morning, um, but last night, it was so strong 
where he clearly said to myself, kill yourself, you are nothing. You are a man, <clears throat> you refuse to believe like this is who you are. And I was literally sobbing. I was with the babies on the sofa, sobbing, crying, crying, crying. I'm so thankful for those two dogs that they just loved me. And um, thankful that God was there and the scripture that lift me up, that gave me, because at one point I was grieving too. I was believing the light of the enemy at that point. But I was so like, like crying and crying and crying and the scripture that God used, which I didn't know that he was used today, it was John 10, 10. Mm. Remember, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and he stopped right there, kill, <coughs> destroy, but I came mm -hmm. to give you life. And at that point, I get up, and I took the babies outside, and I was so happy, well, happy and keep crying, but happy in the sense that God brought that scripture to my, my spirit, you know. And I just immediately put worship music, it's really loud, I came upstairs, I put music again, and as I went to, I felt that someone it was in the house. I didn't want to fall asleep. Mm. Um, so I heard him uh, coming in. in uh, so my, my point to share this with you guys, like I said, I was transpired with God. I, I confessed my, my witness to and descend my, 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 that part where I, I, instead of me, continue to share the gospel, continue to share the truth of my experience, but it's rooted in, rooted in Christ and no joking, like, oh, this is what I did to this one, or this is what I did to this one, how unfaithful I was, and all that. It was like a joke. And God is like, what are you doing? You know, it's not a joke what you was doing. You could be right now in hell. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, and, and even though that I knew that I was doing something wrong, um, and God keeps speaking. <clears throat> And, I, and, and, and when I was listening, I was like, oh, sorry, God, I'm sorry. And, I, and she noticed that I was something like a, like a, and she said, you put those walls that no one can penetrate. And um, she asked me a question that Ruby asked me as well, where she says, have you ever lost someone? And I immediately replied, no. He said, so, yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, and the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I said, but I love him. I love Jesus, you know, and and I love him. And 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 every time when I felt weak, it's not, with her, I look my ring and I say, I belong to you. I belong to you. My heart is yours, mm -hmm. you know. So I I decided to share it today because again, uh, I want to be transpired with all of you guys. I mean, life is no like everything is in roses and walking clouds. Mm -hmm. uh, but the most important thing that I wanted that you guys can learn from this is that be transparent with each other. Know that no one can say, oh, she arrived because I got Paul say, <laughs> you know, don't think that I achieve everything. No, <clears throat> you know, I'm walking uh, in this beautiful journey. Uh, I thank God that he helped me last night with a strong desire of kill myself. Uh, I think I was so thankful that I was able to see the light this morning again. Uh, and thankful that, that I have a body of Christ that I know that I'm not going to judge me. I know that, hey, we all struggle with something, but <coughs> that doesn't give me the right to stay in my struggle. Amen. You know, it's just to get up and keep going, keep walking towards the cross and, and crucify my flesh. And every time when I was feeling something, when I was with her, I remember the scripture with Joe. And I love when I always, I was seeing you doing this when you, because you do so many things in here. <laughs> And you say, and you crucify your, your desire, your flesh to that cross. And that's exactly what I was saying to myself. You crucify your flesh and your desire to that cross. You are dead, Norma. You are dead. You cannot rise up. So when I was doing my, my cleaning by myself, 
That's what I keep saying mm. to myself. You are, you are there. You cannot rise up. Mm. And um, so, by the grace of God, I'm standing. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And so, that's what it's about, y'all, is to apply the word. We are behind enemy lines. There's no doubt about it. And um, again, he's the author of lies. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But true freedom comes from first transparent before God and then before others. You know, there's no need to be walling around in shame and guilt and condemnation. There's no need to retreat. There's no need to run. But the Bible is very clear. The enemy will come in like a flood. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It says when he does, God raises up a standard against him. And it's God that's working in us and for us. You know, remember, it's his loving kindness that brings us to repentance. God is faithful. We're not, but he is. And God is going to complete what he has begun in us. If we would just make sure we're listening. And that we're making, like I said, that simple choice to step out of it. And say, no. No. We're all presented with stuff. Each and every single day. Every single day you're presented with something to remind you of what's back over here. But just as every day that's being a thought, you have all these other thoughts that come by the Holy Spirit to remind you of His great love for you. That nothing apart from Him will ever satisfy us. Nothing. And this can be a life filled with joy. You know, Nora and I were talking about countenance this morning. And it's amazing sometimes when you look at Christians Mm -hmm. and you see their countenance. That they're so heavy burden. They're so distraught. They've got no life in them. And I go, but God, your, your word says, you know, that our countenance should be uplifted. You know, that there's been times where I've gone through intense trials. You know, that I, one thing I always pray is, God, let me allow to see the joy that's in you before I keep reflecting on the trial that I'm in, you know? Because that trial is there for a reason. It's there to produce something that which is good, even though I hate it, even though I don't want to endure it. But God, in the midst of it, God, can I just sense the joy that I have in Christ? So, sister, I really appreciate you sharing. And I praise God, because... For the past couple months or so, you know, God had already showed me ahead of time. And even I even said, even before all of this transpired, knowing what would be to come, that this was not a good idea. But God said, just pray, just pray. And so being on the outside of it and praying and getting, allowing the Holy Spirit to give me discernment, how to specifically pray for you you know and that's what he does for us you know don't take for granted when the holy spirit speaks to you and said pray for this individual you know doesn't mean you have to go to that individual until the holy spirit prompts you sometimes the holy spirit just needs you to pray you know and so i just want to encourage you all 
to remain transparent. So the Heidelberg Catechism, part two, deliverance, we're still in. The Lord's Day 9, God the Father, last week on the Lord's Day 8, we talked about the three articles, (coughs) the articles of our faith. And then we talked about the three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're focusing on day nine, on God the Father, and there's only one question for this week. Question 26, what do you believe when you say, I love this, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth. So what do you believe when you say that? Listen to the answer. That the eternal Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds the rules and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ the Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt He will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. God is able to do this because he is almighty God and desires to do this because he is a faithful father. And there's all these scriptures that are attached to this answer. And oh, how I pray again that you would go and you would meditate upon not only the question, but the answer. And to be able to give an answer, if someone asks you, what do you believe when you say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And then again, let's hear the answer. So what do we mean? Or what do we believe when we say this? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ the Son. I trust God so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. God is able to do this because he is almighty God and desires to do this because he is a faithful father. This is our God, you all. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4 through 434. And as you're turning there... I wanted to remind you on kind of how I ended last week and kind of we talked about it on Wednesday night. But the word love, when, when, the, when Scripture says Solomon loved God. And so while Solomon is said to love God in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 2 to 3, the word translated love is used only here in 1 Kings as a ruler's relationship with God. However, it is used in 1 Kings 11, verse 1 through 2, to describe Solomon's love of foreign women. 
So when read together, these verses suggest that Solomon's love for God is not a covenant loyalty that Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 5 calls for, but at best, a divided affection. So the question then, as, as you're reflecting on your own life and on your own love for God, is it covenant loyalty? Or do you have a divided heart? You can love God today, but you can love this tomorrow. You can love God this second, but you can love the next thing that comes before you. That's not loving God. Remember, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our body, with all of our strength. To love the Lord your God. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4. <clears throat> Solomon is on the throne. <laughs> Kingdom has been established. We pick up at verse 4. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. And again, we talked last week that not only did Solomon begin to marry well, he just married one at this time, but ultimately he'll begin to marry many foreign women. So, that was an issue for him. The other issue is that he was worshipping in places he ought not have been worshipping. So again, we begin to see the doors opening that ultimately would lead to the end of his life in a state of chaos. And confusion. But if he would have just remained faithful. But anyway, so we see him here. Verse 5. That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and, said, and God said, What do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, You showed great and faithful, I mean, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on the throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And I'm in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me, and I love this, I love this side of, of the heart of Solomon, that yet though in this dream he asked of God, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Well, first we're seeing here that God has really fulfilled and will continue to fulfill the promise he gave to the forefathers of how great the nation of Israel will become. And the many people, as numerous um, that they would become. 
So the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow, look at this, and if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem and stood by the ark of the Lord's covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all of his officials to a great banquet. Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, The living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, Let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring a sword. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in in, in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, oh no, my, my lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. Now I want you to understand something. It's interesting what the writer did here. We actually don't know who the mother was. The Bible is not trying to focus on the real mother. The Bible is focusing on the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's very interesting. When one of the commentaries pointed that out. And so look what it says there. Then the woman, we don't know which woman, <laughs> who was the real mother of the living child, and who loved him very much, cried out, Oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all of Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king. For they saw the wisdom God had given him and for rendering justice. So Solomon, 
He knew he needed wisdom. And oh, how I pray what we can glean from these scriptures today is oh, how we desperately need wisdom. And oh, how we should be praying daily for wisdom and our comings and our goings and our doings, asking God, seeking God for wisdom. So then as we enter into chapter 4, we begin to see um, Solomon's officials and governors. Things that, and there's a list of them there and how they served and the capacity in which they served. And so now we're going to skip over to verse 20. Solomon's prosperity and wisdom. So the people of Judah and Israel were as numerous, again, a fulfillment of what God purposed, to the fathers, the forefathers of Israel, as the sand on the seashore. They were very contented with plenty to eat and drink. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms, from the Euphrates River in the north, to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The conquered people of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. The daily food requirements for Solomon's palace were 150 bushels of choice flour, 300 bushels of meal, also 10 oxen from the fattening pens, 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep or goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roe deer, and choice poultry. Solomon's dominion extended over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River, from Tishba to Gaza, and there was peace, I love this, on all of his borders. During the lifetime of Solomon, all of Judah and Israel lived in peace and safety. And from Dan in the north to Bathsheba in the south, each family had its own home and garden. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his chariot horses, and he had... 12,000 horses, and that's another pitfall. He wasn't supposed to have all those horses, but I don't have the time now to, to open that up. We can talk about that on Wednesday, but if you haven't studied that, you should go see why, why there's a problem for him to have these horses. But anyways, the district governors faithfully provided food for, the king, for King Solomon and his court. Each made sure nothing was lacking during the month assigned, I'm sorry, during the month assigned to him. They also brought the necessary barley and straw for the royal horses and the stables. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom extended that of all the wise men of the east and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite and the sons of Mashal Hermon, Kalkol, and Darda. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed, listen to this, some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in the wall or in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. 
and kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. That's pretty impressive. What God has done in this season of, 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 of the nation Israel, that he's given them this king. And yet we see God mightily using this king. And you say, what can we learn from even that portion of scripture? Well, one thing I take away is this, God can use us. <laughs> and we know when we're making decisions that aren't right and honoring God. And that just goes to show you how gracious, how slow to anger, how merciful God is, that yet though you think you're getting away from it for a season, just remember what we've already learned quite some time ago. It's a kingdom principle. What you sow to, you'll reap. One way or another, it may not sprout up the hour you sow to it. But you can bet, you can bet on it that it will come about sooner or later. And unfortunately, that's what we're going to see. God's purpose, God's plan in this hour of the, of the history of Israel, of the time period in which Solomon ruled and reigned, God showed up and showed off how great he was and how he was faithful, not to Solomon, but faithful to his promises to Israel and ultimately faithful to the people of the world through Jesus, the Messiah, who would come to redeem the loss. Amen? Amen. All right, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 is where we're heading now. The birth of the church. The church is growing. <clears throat> They've got a lot to to work out. And if you've been around me long enough, you know this is chapter 6 and 7. It's probably one of my favorite, even though I say that in all scriptures. But it's it's probably one of my favorite scriptures to go back to um, and just kind of pray through and just just say, God, like, God, what you can do to anyone who would just... Submit their lives to you. We're going to talk about Stephen today. He's basically one of the first martyrs of the church. And so don't let his life just kind of go in and out of your ears. Like, this is, this is so impressive. And again, what God has done in Stephen's life, God can do in our lives. You know? And again, there's organization taking place in the church. As soon as it looked like a little bit of chaos, as soon as prejudice swept in and tried to divide it, like God addressed it, the apostles obeyed the instructions of how God was leading them to, to arrange the church. And so it's just impressive. But ultimately what we're looking for is how God moved through this individual named Stephen, whom I call, because my background is food service, it's just a food service worker. And yet he loved God with his whole heart. And he had such a strong faith and belief in Jesus. So, here we go. But as the believers regularly, rapidly, I'm sorry, multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. 
the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, and I love this, and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. First, I love the fact that the apostles, they knew their purpose. They could not be um, hindered from what they are purposed to do just to meet the day-to-day needs of the believers. They were called to go forth and to preach the gospel. And so I love the fact that we see this here. I love the fact, too, that the responsibility given to, to be able to do this distribution was just not, you know, select seven men. No. Not only just select, but here's the key description, who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. And this is setting up for the deacons in the church. So we will give them this responsibility then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, listen to this. I love how they describe him. A man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, um, Nicanor, um, Timon, um, and this other guy, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convict to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles, and I love this, who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted to. God is moving, you all. And the church should say amen. There's so much resistance, but yet in the midst of resistance, God is expanding his church, and we see this. And that's why we can rejoice in the fact that when trials come in our lives, it's not time to cave in, it's time to get up and press in. You know, it's when, when again, we see this in persecuted areas in the earth and in the history. When the church is being persecuted, the church has grown. You know, this is, again, a spiritual, a kingdom principle. It doesn't make sense in the natural But the church grows under intense trials. And so we see this here. And so finally we move on. Stephen, again, listen to this description. A man full of God's grace and power performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some of the men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. Trust me, as God begins to use you, people are going to try to undermine you. Just be ready for it. And so, they were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, and Sicilia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit which, with, with which Stephen spoke. So it wasn't so much Stephen, but the spirit of God in Stephen and the wisdom that has been given to him that these men could not overthrow 
So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen. And that's how people were against you. Saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth would destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face shone as bright as an angel's. That's where we leave today. And I love the fact, again, we see Stephen's countenance. There's joy in the midst of what he's going through. There's joy in the midst. He had countenance. His countenance was as bright as an angel's. There's something different about Stephen. Let's go to Psalm 126. And so as it is with Stephen, so it should be with your life. There should be a difference about you. We're not walking and living with no hope as unbelievers. <laughs> We're walking with hope. And again, we can walk upright. And we understand that sin crouches out our door and its desire is to master us, but we must master it. And so we must be, we must be a people who get up with, uh, on purpose and with power. <laughs> and knowing that the power is of the Holy Spirit, not <coughs> us. And so we're depending upon Him to accomplish what He's begun in us. Psalm 126, verse, well, all of it. Psalm 126, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter, and look at this, and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those with who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. This is our God, you all. He is a God who restores. He's a God who reconciles. We need to remember the good things in which God has done and stop thinking upon the areas that are, we are in lack in because of our own doing. We've got to begin to rejoice in the fact that God is good and God is great. And there's no God like our God. Yes. Amen? Yes. Proverbs 16, verse 16. No, Proverbs 16, verse 26 and 27. <clears throat> Proverbs 16, verse 26 through 27. It is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. And then finally, scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. People who are not serving Christ are only about their own business. They will manipulate. They will do and say and act just to get for themselves. They have no desire 
at all to see your life fulfilled in Christ. So be mindful on who you're giving your ear to. I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close us in prayer.